Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. We are glad you are here with us. I am glad to be here today. It is a good day to gather in the house of the Lord. Let me pray for us as we begin this morning. God, we do thank you for our presence here today. We thank you for the breath in our lungs, the breakfast in our bellies, the privilege, the freedom that it is to gather with brothers and sisters whom we love in unity and worship you to hear a word from you today. And that is what we come expecting this morning, God, that you are faithful to meet us here in this place, that you preceded us here, closer to us in this moment than our very breath, and that you have a word for us today to carry us into our week and our year. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are continuing today our our series on on faith and family and how the differing roles we play in the family, all the different titles and roles and positions that, that we have in our various family units, how those contribute to forming us as spiritual people, forming our spirit as Christians. And we're looking at kind of differing angles of this each and every week in the five weeks of this series. Last week, we looked really at family as a whole and how family shapes us. Uh, Next week, we'll be looking at the parenting relationship from, from the angle of parent to child and child to parent kind of through the aging process. Today, we're looking at marriage. Marriage, very specifically. Um, You know, this can be a little complicated, a little touchy, right? A lot of thoughts on marriage out there in the world. A lot of thoughts um, that we could get in today in various ways that we're just going to kind of get ahead of these right now and say, what we're talking about today, what I really want us to focus on it is, is not any of sort of the distracting issues of marriage and the institution of marriage and the differing thoughts about that, but marriage itself. Wherever we fall on differing views of marriage, we often have many of the same hopes for marriage itself. And also for those of us who are married or, or those who may someday want to be married or those who were not married and, and very happily single, you, you also have deep abiding relationships in your life. And marriage, if anything, is just sort of the paradigmatic relationship for all other relationships. It's our deepest, most intimate soul friendship. And, and we have other, these, what we apply to marriage really applies to all of our friendships. We're going to talk about marriage itself today, not as an institution, but as something created by God to be stewarded by us as the paradigmatic friendship that we are to have. So some of you are not married. 
there's a word for you, I hope, today. Some of you are divorced, and, and this may bring up pain. It may bring up any number of feelings. I hope you'll hang with me through this. And some of you are, are single and hoping maybe one day to be married or, or at least open to that. Some of you, as I said, are single and very content in your singleness. And all of these sort of states of, of marriage or unmarriage are worthy in their own right. And, and faithfulness is a challenge for all of us in any of these uh, series or seasons of life. But I think there is a challenge for all of us here in our closest relationships or friendships. But I would ask, marriage will kind of be the word that covers this today. What is the witness of your marriage, of your deepest abiding relationship? What do other people see and encounter when they know you and know you and your spouse and your marriage? You know, we could ask the same question, of course, for any friendship or relationship. But let me say this at the beginning. This is really the, the lesson at the end, but it needs to come here at the beginning too. Maybe you've thought about it like this before. Maybe you haven't. That really your marriage, your longest lasting, deepest abiding relationship is the prime way God will work in and through your life for as long as you shall live. And maybe even beyond the marriage itself. I mean, your marriage, should you have children, will be the largest factor in shaping who they are and who they are going to become. Your marriage will be the primary witness to the world that when the world looks at you, they, they will take you as individuals sometime, but often as a marriage. So this morning, I want us to, to think about your wedding. All of us have been to weddings, even if we haven't participated in one. Think back to your wedding this morning, and I want us to kind of walk through a fairly typical wedding ceremony to reflect on our marriage, how we've been shaped by marriage, how our marriages may be a witness to the world as we think about this. Now, in a group of this size, there are undoubtedly many differing types of wedding experiences that we have, a very diverse group, from the, the very elaborate that took months and months, if not over a year, to plan and, and were very beautiful and wonderful, to the very simple, perhaps even to the shotgun variety, a few of those, right? We, we, have, we bring all sort of differing marriage experiences, but the ceremony is the same for each of them. When I do a, uh, perform a marriage or officiate at a wedding, I often or always ask if we're able to, to do several sessions of premarital counseling to visit with the couple about being prepared to marriage before we get to it. And we get to the point often kind of a little bit late in the process where it's time to talk about the ceremony itself. And, and I ask the bride and groom, all right, tell me about how everything's coming. And boy, they go into detail on the flowers and the cake, te cake testing's the best part of engagement. I will just say that. They give you free cakes to taste. Like, it's amazing. Um, we've thought about doing another wedding for Kelly and I just to go through that. The cake testing, the, the flowers, the reception, the venue, vendors upon vendors upon vendors, so much can go into some weddings. And then you, you're excited about it. It's going to be, you can start picturing it in your mind. And, and then you ask them almost invariably, okay, what are your ideas for the ceremony itself? And they just go blank. Many of you have experienced this yourself. 
it's like, well, hey, man, you're you're the vendor for the ceremony. <laughs> you're you're the one that's supposed to know about this and kind of tell it. And that, that is somewhat true. The pastor is there to guide you. But it is so interesting when we plan weddings and we prepare for our wedding, how much goes into the details and how little sometimes into the meaning or, or the power of the covenant itself. You know, it occurs to me that we often approach our marriages very much like this. We, we put so much effort and are forced to put so much effort into the details of our life. We don't always spend sufficient time and energy and love and, and resources investing in the marriage itself. And for that is what we covenant to. It's so easy for our time and our focus, our conversation to center on all the, on paying bills and mowing the yard and cleaning the house and taking care of the family and going to work and finishing up work once we get home and cooking dinner and cleaning dishes and going grocery shopping and raising kids. And oh, if you've got kids, oh my goodness, waking them up in the morning is just, you know, a surprise every given day and putting them to bed at night is a surprise. And if you've got little kids, bath time, diaper time, oh my gosh the details that go into our life, on and on the details go. We can go years like this, rarely, if ever, stopping to consider our marriage itself, to consider how or whether our marriage is, is honoring God and, and one another, whether our marriage is reflecting God to the world, whether husband and wife are really loving each other as Christ has commanded us to love, you know, whatever your marriage or your ceremony was like, you didn't covenant to pay bills well together. I mean, I mean, you didn't covenant to establish good credit. You didn't even covenant to raise healthy kids or to work to provide a secure life. That wasn't part of the ceremony. Your marriage has a greater purpose than this. What you covenanted with God and one another to do was to be faithful to the marriage, for your marriage to exemplify as how you love one another, how God loves us, and to witness to God's love in this world in the way you treat and love one another. That is the commitment you made the covenant you made with kids, without kids, sickness and in health, whether bills can be paid when they can't. And when you find jobs and when you lose jobs, when you're skinny and you look your best at that wedding ceremony, and then when you're your real self a few years down the road, a little less skinny. I mean, when you're young and when you're old, it's not the details of life, but the marriage itself we covenant to keep. You know, in most wedding ceremonies, you actually make two covenants. You know, if, if most of your prep for marriage or weddings has been in movies, they never include both of them, you know, in, in our rom-coms. And honestly, that's where most of us get our ideas for weddings is the movies and the TV shows we've seen, you know, where Ross and Rachel got married or something like that. But you actually do two. And, and one of them happens often down here. And it's not even a full covenant yet. The covenant of marriage is so sacrosanct, so holy, so high. We, we make the couple declare, it's called the declaration of intent. It's the I do vow. 
that you don't repeat after me quite yet. It's the I do vow. And it's what you're going to do up there on the altar is so holy, so far reaching. We make you kind of make sure you want to do it <laughs> before you do that. Declare your intent to do this. And, you know, in a, in a stereotypical traditional wedding ceremony, a father or, or, or someone that has uh, shaped the life of the bride in a powerful way um, walks her down the aisle and the groom is up here sweating and smiling and nervous as can be. And, and the pastor somewhere around here remembering his or her own ceremony often and, and remembering what has to be said. And they, they get right about here and the marriage kind of begins when that bride and groom grasp hands and they're joining something, there's gonna be something mysterious and wonderful that happens here where they become more than they were before the day started. And, and we ask them to declare their intent. Um, we have, uh, I think on the slides, the, the, this is the, the vow Kelly and I gave. There's many, several different traditional versions of vows. I think the traditional versions are wonderful. And, and this is somewhat what we say, you know, do you, and these are what I said to Kelly. You know, gender would be flipped the others. And it's fascinating in the vows, as we think about roles in marriage, there's no difference in our covenant. Yeah, in a minute, I'll say, you know, these idiots that get married when they're so young, they have no idea what's facing them. <laughs> They're looking, one of us looks remarkably similar to that picture. One of us looks very different from that picture. <laughs> we really have no idea what's waiting us when we make that commitment, do we? We have hopes. But we come together and we say, do you, Matt, take this woman whose hand you now hold to be your wedded wife? And it's interesting, there are no differences in the vows between man and wife. No roles differentiated here. Our covenant is the same to one another, co-equal with one another to treat and live and act in the same way with and for and to one another. Do you, do you solemnly promise before God and these witnesses to love, cherish, honor, and protect her or him to forsake all others for her sake, to cleave unto her and her only until death shall part you. And this is the moment. <laughs> if you want out, this is this. Are you ready to do this? This is for all time, for as long as you both shall live. And you have that opportunity to say, I do, I, I commit to this. And this isn't your vow, not quite yet. And we go on up and there, there is a spiritual significance to this where we're not yet on the altar down here. We're not yet married down here. We move on up at this. And then, you know, you have people sing and you have people read scripture and, and maybe you have, you know, any number of different elements. You pour sand into jars or light a unity candle or who knows, right? You get a lasso around each other and spin around. There's all these different, different cultural uh, practices, right? That go into marriage that are wonderful and really complicated for a pastor to figure it all out but you step higher on the altar after the pastor speaks, if you allow the pastor to speak, I hope you will. The ceremony infused with the holy and then and only then comes the vow where you speak this in the name of God. I take you to be my wife, to be my husband, to have and to hold from this day forward. Pastors get themselves in trouble when they take off too big a chunks of this. 
The most panicky I've been in a wedding is when I said too much and the groom could not repeat what I said. <laughs> I said, all right, let me back up. Smaller phrases, smaller phrases. To have in the hold from this day forward, and it's always the groom we can't remember. For better or worse, richer or poorer, sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. This is my solemn vow. You commit to one another. You commit to this union and in the sealing of that vow, something new is created. You are not who you were before. You are now a union. You, you are now a new entity, a marriage is created that you have covenanted and committed to invest in that relationship, that love, that entity formed by the Holy Spirit. You give yourself, your very self, and, and you receive another in the name of God and commit to nothing more and nothing less than being husband and wife to one another. At some point in the ceremony, I hope, the preacher has an opportunity to speak from Scripture, a word to the couple. 1 Corinthians 13 is probably the most popular passage, one of the most popular that is read. It does give us this beautiful glimpse at this marriage we're called to invest in and how to do it. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And then he goes on to speak of other great things, selfless things, worthy things that one might do in life, that if they were done without love, they are worthless. It's, it's helpful for our marriage to know we may do any number of things in our life, but, but if we don't covenant to this relationship, if we don't invest in this marriage, if we don't love in these ways Paul's about to define for us, then, then that's essentially eternally worthless. If we build empires or even just build a very quiet, normal life, if that's done without love, if, if the, the marriage itself isn't invested in and, and cultivated and, and, and groomed, then it's, it's worthless. And an incredible gift to us, Paul gives us examples, this working definition of what love is in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. He says this, it'll be on the screen for us. Love is patient, love is kind. You've heard this so many times. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, arrogant, or rude. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You know, this isn't a passage about marriage. It's a passage about how we are to act and love and live in all of our relationships. It's the content of loving action we're to show one another. But it applies really well to marriage, as marriage is that relationship where we have the greatest opportunity over the greatest amount of time to love deeply to love on this earth as closely as God loves us as is possible. Now, the church as a whole would do well to worry less about the institution of marriage, less about roles of men and women in marriage, and focus on helping strengthen marriage to show love in this way, to create, sustain, 
steward marriages to love in this way. On a cursory first reading, Paul's words sound very romantic and poetic. Honestly, that's why they're used in weddings. It sounds really nice when you read them. Doesn't it sound lovely to read these? But you know, if you look closer and we imagine how one loves like this over the course of a lifetime, 50, 60 years plus, we realize what a stern course Paul has charted for loving one another. We're to be patient, not a gift for many of us. We're to be kind. We're to rejoice with the truth, rejoice with one another. And, and, and these are not as we feel like it or, or when we're in a good mood or, or when things are light and easy. These are absolutes given us to us. We are continual, not when we feel like it, as a matter of being. We are to be patient. We are to be kindness. We are to be rejoicers. We are, are not, and again, it's absolute, not ever to be envious or boastful or proud, which is arrogant or rude, to dishonor another, to, to keep record of wrongs or to delight in evil or, or sin of any type. Again, absolutely, we're always called to protect, to trust, to hope, to persevere, and again, like our vows, these are even between those in the relationship. Uh, one doesn't protect and the other serve. We are each called to protect and serve one another, to trust in one another, hope for one another, persevere with one another. Here is your role in marriage. Here are the easy steps, and I put that in, <laughs> they're clear, they are not easy, to a faithful marriage to act in these ways and love in these ways for as long as you both shall live. For one of you, maybe even longer. As we seek to love our spouse this way, the Holy Spirit works in and around and through our marriage. Our marriage, when we love this way, gives witness not to us, but beyond us, to the love Jesus has for us and the world. Our marriage shows Christ to the world. It shows love to the world. Our marriage lived like this blesses and encourages and serves and lifts others up and leads others to love and leads, leaves ripples in its wake of those that are impacted for the kingdom of God that learn something of Jesus through the witness of this bond formed with the holy vow by the Holy Spirit. Our faith is formed, our family is formed, our marriage is formed, the kingdom of God joined in when we seek to love one another this way. Yes, in marriage, but also in all of our relationships. You know, at the wedding, boy, all of this is laid on that poor unsuspecting couple. You know, the kids in that picture about 18 and a half years ago and most of the time they have no idea <laughs> what waits for them. Perhaps if you get married at an older age or, or it's a marriage, a second marriage, maybe you're a little more eyes open about what you're getting into. 
They have no idea what awaits them, how the joy of their love will grow and deepen, how difficult it will be. The daily discipline of loving one another in this this way, how that will threaten to disillusion them over time when it doesn't feel like they think love should feel sometimes. The couple in the ceremony is often so in love and so tired and so hungry and so many other things their mind on the honeymoon, right? They're not focused always on this part of the ceremony. And so I often now, having done a few of these, stop and really grab their attention, you know, like a puppy a little bit. Y'all look at me, look at me. You know, it's a rare moment when you are no longer who you were, but not yet who you will be. It's a rare moment before your death when all of your loved ones are here in one place. This group will never be gathered here again. And we look back on the life that brought them here, often the winding, twisting, unexpected path that brought them there. And we give thanks for whatever has occurred because there's joy and there's pain and there's blessing in that. And there's unexpected things, but, but it brought them there to that day. And you look and give thanks for those. And, and then you also, we ask them to hang with me a little bit longer and, and we look forward at what their life might be, what God might do through the commitment they make that they really don't fully understand. I mean, generations generations might be created through the union God brings together right now, to look forward at at anniversaries and birthdays and vacations to come of quiet nights at home and soccer practice and hurried fast food dinners where you're just meeting each other, coming and going, to have them look forward and, and at a depth of love they can only guess at. to look forward at the tragedy they will face together that will test them like nothing else. And to tell them that if they are most blessed, they will grow so old together, they barely recognize the kids that they will look back on and stand, look at that picture today. That their vows will prove stronger than they thought possible, but that they will also fall short of them And that every marriage runs up against those times, those seasons where kindness seems to run out, where patience ceases, where envy or suspicion or grudge holding worms its way in to our marriage, to reside in our marriage. And when they fail to live up to those vows, to encourage them to that life-changing act of repentance and forgiveness to refuse to allow those seasons to define their time, to turn to one another in generosity and love and generous grace and forgiveness again and again and again. And then while they're standing there, I finally ask them to imagine the impact their marriage might have on the kingdom of God. Imagine how their marriage might show the love of God to one another and to their world. To imagine generations of people knowing the love of God, coming to salvation through the witness and the love of their marriage. 
And I tell them, and then I hope to remind them again and again as we remind you today that your marriage may be the prime way God works in and through you for as long as you shall live. You will be formed. There will come a time where there very really is not much Matt or Kelly. There's just Matt and Kelly. Your, your personality is inextricably linked. Your life is inextricably linked together. You will impact others. If you love each other well, the kingdom of God will grow as a result of what God has brought together. So church, how you love your wife, how you love your husband, how you love others in the deepest, most intimate relationships we are in is the way you show Christ's love to the world. is patience and kindness, rejoicing, truth-telling, hope, perseverance seen in your marriage and your loving relationships? Are you working to cleanse it of envy and distrust and arrogance and rudeness and dishonor and self-seeking and anger and grudge-keeping? Can people look at your marriage, your love, and see the grace-filled result of repentance and forgiveness and the way you live with one another. How is God using you for his purposes and your deepest relationships? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for the marriages you've created. We thank you for those who were single and the ways you've equipped them to serve the kingdom of God in the way they love and the way they live. We thank, we're thankful, God, that when our marriages do struggle and, and sometimes do end, you're not done with us. We are not done loving. You are certainly not done with us, and the redemptive story has only begun. Regardless of our story and, and where we are in this, God, help us to love as you love us in our deepest, most intimate friendships and relationships, in the way that we are brothers and sisters in Christ to one another. May the love of God rule, love as defined by Scripture. May we each seek the way sin has wormed its way into some of our relationships and needs to be rooted out. May you lead us to repentance. May you extend forgiveness. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.